that we will be focused on you and make you the center of all things because it is in you that we live, that we move, that we breathe, and we have our being. And we'll give you all the praise. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise. So glad to, to be back. Um, I've spent more time in the air uh, these past couple of weeks probably than I have on the ground. Um, from here to Mississippi and from Mississippi here and from here to te Texas and from Texas here. Um, had a good time, but I'm glad to be home. Uh, there's no, no place like home. So glad, glad to again to be in the house of God. And we want to stop um, and just give a, a second of prayer and a moment of thought. Um, for those who are just a little bit less than an hour north of us in Oxford um, that are suffering from a school shooting and suffering from violence and the enemy is forever busy and um, as the world gets worse, the church should be at its best. So if you could, even if you're listening with us by way of, um, of podcasts, let's go with us in prayer. God, we thank you. Um, we thank you for the privilege of prayer to be able to come boldly before your throne of grace. Now, Father, we stand in the gap, Lord God, for those who might be in too much pain to stand for themselves right now, God, for parents that have lost children and for children who've been traumatized and for everybody that's been involved, Father. This is a tragic situation, God, but we know that you can bring beautiful things out of tragic things, God, and we ask right now um, that you make the most of a, of a, of a bad situation. We ask that your comfort be with those who need to be comforted and your healing be with those who need to be healed and your deliverance and salvation come to those who need it, Lord God. There is trouble on every hand all over the world, but even in the midst of all that, we know that you are God and that you are Lord and that you reign supreme. And we give you praise and we give you thanks for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 I'm going to call the audible and they're going to have to catch me in the back. I've been praying and, and being real quiet for a minute before the Lord. And we're going to stop Acts for a second and we're going to go over to the book of Colossians uh, just for a minute. I don't know how long we'll be there, but we're going to Colossians because I feel that's where we need to be right now. And there's a reason uh, for that. Um, the book of Colossians is written to those who are in Colossae. And so we'll start in the book of Colossians. We'll get back to Acts as the Lord says the same, but it has an overarching theme that I think is very important that we as members in the body of Christ and the church need to understand and need to grasp, and that is the supremacy of Christ. Um, in today's world, people don't mind the church doing things that the church does. I, I was listening to somebody preach, and he brought out an astute point that in the book of Acts, where we were, and where we'll continue on a little later, um, they often tell the disciples not to preach in the name of Jesus. But it was an interesting observation that this person made, I believe it was Dr. Vody Bauckham, that they never stopped to tell them, don't heal the sick, don't do the good stuff. All they said was, just don't mention Jesus. And in our churches now, our churches have become silent and have become quiet because people don't mind you going seeing sick people. People don't mind you having drives and all the good stuff that Robin and Terry and the teams back there do. They don't mind us filling up boxes and things like that. There are, there's always something good going on. I think they filled up, I don't know, last year was 150 boxes to send off 
uh, for, for underprivileged children, and I think they did something to the same amount this year, that there's ministry going forth even when you don't see it. People don't mind you doing good ministry and doing good things, but what they do mind is you using the name of Jesus. Because good things are not a threat. Good deeds are not a threat. But a good God is a threat to those who don't want to do what God has required of them. The Bible says in John that the people of the darkness, 1 John, hate the light because the light reveals to them themselves and Christ is the light. And I feel as the season of Advent is changing and you can tell that the seasons are changing, that it's important for us to keep a focus on Christ. It was amazing to me. Me and my wife had a debate in the store because she called me a Grinch. And the reason she called me a Grinch is because Thanksgiving wasn't even over and they were already paying Christmas music. And she said, but it's the holiday season. I said, but it's not Christmas. It's Thanksgiving. You're skipping right over the season to give thanks to God for materialism and for gifts and things like that. And we have taken many things that Christ meant for his glory and we have traded them and turned them in for things that are self-serving to ourselves. And we can have the argument about Christmas and what kind of holidays they are. But the thought process is that the whole portion and reason that we do this is to give glory to God. And you have to realize that in the Colossian church, there is a lot of heresy going on. And it's very similar to what's going on today because they are doing what's called Gnosticism. Everybody say Gnosticism. Gnosticism and syncretism is uh, syncretism first is the study of many different things. In other words, not just religion itself, but a lot of philosophy, a lot of good ideas. In other words, in our day, we would call that normal um, because everybody likes Jesus. They just don't like to come to church and to serve Jesus the way he wants to be served. They like the idea of a God, somebody that would forgive their sins and tell them to love your enemy and, and, and to love people. But they only like part of what Jesus represents and they have created what Paul would call another Jesus, a Jesus that is not. It's something that's a figment of their imagination that makes them feel all lovey and warm and fuzzy on the in, inside. And that is not the true depiction of who Jesus is. And they use syncretism to bring in different ideas of religion. In other words, we call it being spiritual nowadays. There's a lot of people who say, I'm not in the church, but I'm a spiritual person. I'm, I'm in the spiritual things. And, and so they bring in a Gnosticism, and Gnosticism comes from the Greek word uh, gnosis, which means to know. In other words, that you're puffed up and proud because of knowledge. In other words, you're big on your theology and your knowledge of God, but you really, and knowledge of the things around you, but you really don't have a sense of really who God is. You hear Paul talking in Romans where he says, professing themselves to become wise, they became what? Fools. They became foolish because they only decided to, to worship their intellect, that everything they had to do, they didn't follow Christ anymore. They followed the science. They thought, oh, oh, did I say that? Yeah, they, they, they followed the science. They followed what educated people follow, said, and that, that's fine. But science in itself is a discovery of what God has already created. And I find it funny that we will have people try to get us to abandon the pursuit of God in and search and put in place the pursuit of the study of what God has created. But you see that in the book of, uh, of Romans where it says that they traded the image of God for that of what? Four-footed beast. 
And, and so it's important that Paul is flipping the script and bringing back some things and putting an emphasis on Christ again. And I think it's, I hear in, in my spirit that it's time for the church to put an emphasis back on Christ. We put an emphasis on self-help, uh, not just this church, not this church at all, but the church at large. We put an emphasis on self-help. We put an emphasis on all those nice topics that will make people interested and make people come. But they never said, if you be lifted up. The Bible says that if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And I'm afraid that many of us have ceased to lift up Jesus and have trusted in psychology, have trusted in our intellect. And all those things have a place, but none of them have a place in priority over Christ. In other words, Christ is supreme. And that's what Colossians seeks to establish today, that Christ is the supreme deity. And although others in this time were denying the deity of Christ, Paul reestablishes in his letter the premises of the, of the deity and the supremacy and the lordship of Christ. He says in Colossians uh, chapter one, verse three, as he's writing this letter to them, he says, we always thank God, the father, our Lord Jesus, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from hope and that is stored up for you in heaven that you already have heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. He's reestablishing with them that you've already heard the gospel. And nowadays you don't have to be doctrinally or biblically sound to be popular. All you have to do is have a cell phone camera. And if you can get the YouTube, if you can get the Facebook and you can get enough likes and enough retweets, the majority of the world now is biblically illiterate and they go with what they feel like is right. So as long as you have a large following, people will say that you are the authority. But Paul is reestablishing that you already have given the word of truth. It's OK to repackage things sometimes. It's OK to put a new spin on things, but you can't change the thing itself that we can never change the gospel of Jesus Christ and that it should be about Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. They don't mind you saying anything but the name of Jesus. Have you noticed that nobody, everybody gets nervous? Even when you watch sports, guys, have you ever noticed that they'll talk to somebody and they'll ask how you did it? And as soon as he says something about, I want to give thanks to my Lord Jesus Christ, they hurry up and they cut away from him. Why? Because there's power in the name and the authority of Jesus. And people who don't love God will not promote those things because they realize that true deliverance comes in Jesus. True healing comes in Jesus. I'm going to verse 9, uh, Colossians 1 and 9. It says, For this reason, since the day we heard for you, we have not stopped praying and asking God to fill you with the knowledge. Now, the true knowledge of his will through all with spiritual wisdom and understanding. It's important to look at that because Paul is in a society where people are, are, are looking to knowledge, that people are looking to philosophy. And it's funny that Paul uses that he will fill you with knowledge and spiritual wisdom and understanding. In other words, that wisdom is the application of knowledge. You've heard me say time and time again that knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. There are many people who are educated, but they don't know how to apply 
what they know. There are many people that know the Bible, but their hearts are darkened and the spirit will not enlighten them and they don't know the truth. And it's right in front of their face. And Paul is saying, you've been taught these things. And I'm praying that God fills you with knowledge of his will through spiritual wisdom and understanding. And he says in verse 10, and we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. It's okay to read other books. I'm, I'm an avid reader when I can be, and I, I like to read. It's, it's good to get other information. It's, it's good to know what's going on in the world, but the best knowledge you need is a knowledge of Christ. It's great to t- send your kids to school, and I, I'm grateful to God that my kids are straight-A students, and they're in advanced math and all these classes, and it was nice to know they were in there until they started asking me for help with their homework, and I realized I didn't remember any of the stuff that they were trying to do. But at the same time, as much as we try to push our children to be great academically, we should be trying to teach our kids to be great theologically. That their study of God, their theology should be just as strong as their biology and their anthropology. That all these other things are irrelevant if you don't study and know the nature of what? Christ. So Paul is saying here, and we pray this in order that you may live. He's saying that I want you to be able to apply with with what God has given you. I've come to tell you that you can have all the knowledge and be puffed up and proud as you want. But how many of you know you need God's wisdom to know how to apply the word, not just to be able to sit up and have a theological argument or a conversation with somebody and talk about how much you know, but you need wisdom to know how to make decisions in life. I don't know, but I've made some mistakes in my life. And if you're honest, I'm pretty sure you know you've made some mistakes, too. And if you realize how tough it is sometimes day to day, just trying to make simple decisions, not knowing what's on the other side of that decision, it should prompt your heart to bow down to something that's greater than yourself and say, I can't see around the corner, but God, you can. I'm going to submit to you and I'm going to trust you in the process. I'm grateful for knowledge, but knowledge without Christ is useless. Hmm. He says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience Hmm. and joyfully giving thanks to the father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light, that you are qualified by what Jesus has done. You don't have to worry about your past. You don't have to worry about the other things. You are not made right with God by what you do. You are made right with God by your confession of faith, what you believe, that you believe that Jesus Christ lived the sinless life, that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, that Jesus Christ walked the earth, that Jesus Christ taught the truth, that Jesus Christ was crucified, and that he died and was buried and rose on the third day that he ascended to heaven and that he is coming back one day to receive us and to judge both the living and the dead. It's important that we say those things because most of those things that some of us have been around the church for a long time would think will be child's play are things that people in today's world simply just do not know. And we take it for granted that they know those things. Verse 13 says, for he has rescued us. This is something to shout about from the dominion of darkness. Read that with me. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into his kingdom. 
Now, a dominion means that it has authority over, which means that darkness, until you came to Christ, had authority over you. Satan is the prince of the power of the what? Air. That sin had its authority over you. But thanks be to God for what Jesus has done, that he has rescued us or saved us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom that uh, the kingdom of the son that he loves. This is wonderful, isn't it? And whom, oh, I love this. We got to read this. It says this, what? And whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. In other words, there is salvation in no other. You cannot have forgiveness and redemption of sins without using the blood of Jesus Christ to wash those sins away. If you're a Christian, there are not many ways to God. There is only one way to God, and that way goes through the name of Jesus. Jesus, who is the Christ or the Messiah. And there is no other name under heaven or earth by which men may be saved, but by the name of Jesus Christ. And it's time for us to do like the praise team was saying the other day. We need to start speaking Jesus. We need to start promoting Jesus and putting his name out there and louding his name before the people that we not become quiet and recluse about the about Christ, but that we become involved and that we promote the name of Jesus Christ because it is only in him that we have forgiveness. So if I do something to Brother Dave, Brother Dave might say you're forgiven, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm forgiven because only God has the power to forgive sins. So, which is cool because if I have an ought against Brother Dave and we have an issue going on and I tell Brother Dave I'm sorry and I'm truly repentant in the heart, God forgives me whether Brother Dave forgives me or not. I'm still forgiven. And many times in life, we feel like if we hold grudges against people, we can stop their progress. And then we get mad when we see God continually blessing the people that we're angry with, not realizing that we are being hypocritical because God has forgiven what? Us. And so I like right here where he starts to talk about the theme of the supremacy of Christ. Verse 15. He starts to talk about who Christ is. And I want to talk to you just for a second about who Christ is. If they can get Colossians 1 and 15 up there, let's read that together. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. I want you to leave that up. Now, we know that he's not the firstborn, but he's the firstborn of all over all creation. And the Bible also calls him the firstborn of the dead. What does that mean? That everybody else that was raised from the dead, somebody else has to raise. There were other prophets that raised people from the dead, but Jesus laid down and he is God and God himself raised Jesus from the dead. He is the firstborn of the dead and the firstborn over all creation, which means that Jesus is over everything. More times than not, we give more credit than the devil to the devil than what he really deserved because Satan can do nothing unless he asks God. How do you know? Ask Job. The only reason Job could get uh, that Satan could get to Job, he had to come and bow and present. Think about this. Satan's already been kicked out of heaven, but yet he's still required to report to the principal's office every day. 
He's still required to report to heaven to talk to God. Isn't that one thing that, that is one thing for your parents to spank you. But then when they start hugging you, telling you, I love you, this is going to hurt me more. No, it's not. It makes you mad. Can you imagine getting kicked out of heaven and now God saying, now show up and report to me every day. And he has to report. And he says, what are you doing? He says, I'm going to and from the earth, up and down in it, trying to see who I would devour. And then he said this. He said, have you considered my servant Job? And yes, he had. You know how I know he had? Because he said you had a hedge around him. I already touched the electric fence and it shocked me. I would have got to him, but I couldn't. Which means that Satan can't do anything unless God allows. I can tell you and take you over to the New Testament for those who like scripture from the New Testament. When Jesus looks at Peter and says, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. What does that mean? Satan has come to us and asked us for you. He's he's chomping at the bit to get to you. In other words, he can't do anything to you unless he asks my permission. But he says, I've already prayed for you. And when you are strengthened, strengthen your brother. It's time for the church to stop putting our faith. Politics are fine, but don't put your faith in politics. Put your faith in Jesus. Uh, uh, being together is fine, but don't put your faith in numbers. Put your faith in Jesus because Christ rules supreme over everything. Thing. It says that he is the image of the invisible God. If you want to know what God looks like, he looks like Jesus. So if you want to know what God looks like, if Jesus is on the inside of you, the spirit of God is on the inside of you. You can know the father because the father is in where you sounds similar, doesn't it? I am the father and the father is in me. Now, this same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives what? In you. Well, I don't feel like it. Well, you might not feel like oxygen is going in your body, but if you haven't passed out yet, oxygen is going in your body just because you can't sense it doesn't mean that it's not happening. And if you have made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives on the inside of you. For by him, hallelujah, nothing was created that was created without him. For by him, all things were created. Let's read that. Verse 16. Let's read that together if they can get that pulled up, because it's important for us to start declaring these things. I feel a necessity to be able to declare the supremacy of Christ. Let's read that together. For in him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Let's stop right there because I hear John saying he created everything and by him, other than him, nothing was made that was what? Made. So even your enemies, even the enemies that come to you, they have to bow to Jesus because he is in charge. Why do you keep trying to fight with your enemy? Don't fight with the child. Go to the daddy. Go, go, go to somebody who has some authority. Oftentimes we're trying to fight people when we can go to the person who has authority over the people who has authority over the situation for in him all things were created things in heaven and on earth visible and invisible that's important for us to realize because it lets us know there are some things that we cannot what see that means that gives us a sense of our finiteness. It gives us a sense of our frailty as human beings, that there is a whole realm that's going on around us, an invisible spiritual realm. But unless God reveals it to us, we are blind to it, that we have limitations. And that is a wonderful thing to know that you have limitations because you were created to worship something larger than yourself. And the whole premise of worship is that I am worshiping something that is greater than myself. Why? Why do you get so excited 
when you go to the Grand Canyon? Why do you get so excited when you go to the mountain ranges? Because you look up at something that humankind could never create in majesty on itself, and you look at it, and through it is revealed the beauty and the majesty and the power of God. That same God that it takes people years to build canals to go from North America and South America and build Hoover Dams. But the Bible said that God just blew his nostrils and the Red Sea overnight began to. Who wouldn't want to serve a God that's powerful? Why is that important? We need to realize in your situation that God is bigger than your situation. And your situation's job is to convince you otherwise that it's bigger than God. So you will focus on it and not on God, not realizing that if you focus on God, God will take care of your situation. For seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. God said, I know you need food. I know you need cold. I know you need healing in your body. I know you need these things. But if you seek me first, I will give you what I deem necessary through my sovereignty. All these things will be added unto you. Why? Because I control the things that are visible and the things that are invisible. You may not see your breakthrough, but it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And God is over that invisible breakthrough that it's on the way. If he says it's on the way, well, Lord, I can't see it. You don't have to see it because he's the God over things that are visible and things that are invisible. The doctor might say cancer is visible, but God says I have an invisible healing that's going to manifest itself out of the spirit into the realm of the physical and it's going to materialize and people can't realize why you heal. Because they're only looking at one realm. But God sees not just the visible, but he sees the invisible. He says, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, when you see that, we, we think about, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. This is a significant thing because it's talking about spiritual rulers and spiritual authorities, principalities, that even the devil, as the devil has his angels and the devil has his authorities and his, his princes of Persia and things of the light, it says that God is sovereign over all. All of them. And all of those things are his creation. Why do you get mad when your child talks back? Is there anybody besides me whose mother ever told you that I brought you into this world? <laughs> and I'll take you away from this world? <laughs> Because there's just something on the inside of you that can't take disrespect and insubordination from something that came from you. And we come from God. Amen. So we deserve him. He deserves all of our respect and our giving. He deserves all our respect and the way we live our life because all things which were made, and if you're here, you were made, were made through him and for him. You see that? Let's read that last part after that semicolon. Ready? Read. All things have been created through him and for him. Well, I just want to live out my purpose in the earth. That's fine, just as long as you know your purpose is for him and not for yourself. It's not to make your name great. If your name becomes great, it's only to make his name great. That the ultimate agenda is that things are created through him and for him. If he makes you a millionaire, it's not for you. It's through him and it's for him. Whether you be saved or not, even the enemy and those who don't know God don't realize that you are working through him and for him because all things work together for the good of God. Who And this is the thing, that God is controlling these things. A lot of us think we control. You're not in control because God is sovereign. 
The Bible says that our God is in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases. Sometimes we give ourselves too much credit. Sometimes we give enemies too much credit. Sometimes we give situations too much credit. Even if they're doing the wrong thing, they're only able to do it because God gives them breath. Because the Bible says he reigns over the just and the unjust. There are some general blessings that go to even the unbeliever, but there are some specific blessings that he has for those that love him. But he gives you breath in your body. People get up and they, they sing all sorts of crazy songs that have nothing to do with God, and they get these awards, and they say, I like to thank God. Who uh, Now, God's not honoring that. God, God doesn't want you doing all those things and saying nasty stuff and crazy stuff. He's not honored in those things, but you have to do and give yourself, give him due that the voice you're using for sin, he gave it to you. It's here. And if he wanted to take it back, he could. Job had it right. Job said, I brought nothing into this world, and I'll carry nothing away. No matter what you own, no matter how much you have in your 401k, no matter how big your house, none of those things can go with you because all of those things were made through him and for him, and they will return to him. He is supreme. Let's go over to verse 17. Let's read this together. It says, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Just like atoms have carbon for uh, kind of like an atomic glue to hold the atoms together and things like that. God is the atomic glue of the universe. It's holding together because he's holding it together. The sun sets out there because he set it out there. The moon sets out there because he has set it out there. The, 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 the snow in Michigan, don't curse the snow too much. You know why? Because it's the snow that he allowed and it's the snow he created and it couldn't be created. You ought to say, God, I thank you that I can look at the snow one more day because somebody laid down and woke up and they couldn't see anything but the back of their eyelids in eternity. I'm grateful that I can see the snow one more day. We become flippant and casual with God. Why? Because we don't realize who he really is. We've lost our reverence and our fear for God and the way we treat him and the way we come to him. We always want to think that God is our buddy, but he is a sovereign Lord and he is a creator and he is not our equal. We are not his equal. He is above us. We are his subjects. We are his children and we are to serve him. And everything in our life is not for our pleasure, but it's made for his pleasure. Mm. Verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. Everybody say everything. everything. Can anybody tell me what everything means? Everything. <laughs> I just can't kick this habit. That's because you're trying to kick it. Why don't you ask him to kick it? Because in everything, he had supremacy. 
I just can't kick the situation of the sickness. That's because you're trying to kick it. Ask him to kick it. And if he desires to do so, he will. But even if he doesn't desire to do so, we can still praise God that he's sovereign. He knows more than we know. And guess what? One day we can ask him. But for right now, we just have to trust his will and believe that what he does is right and true. Amen. For God, let's read it together. I love to hear y'all reading. That means y'all not going to go to sleep on me. Let's read. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. The fullness of the Godhead bodily, in bodily form, the fullness of God resides in Jesus Christ. Because in, the, in Colossae, they were worshiping angels and they were in the spirituality and they started talking about angels. And we'll see a little bit later if we get to that portion that Christ is over the head of the angels. And what Paul is trying to establish is there is nothing equal or over Jesus except the Trinity itself. And all of those are the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are God, three in one. Well, I like this and I follow that. That's fine. But all of it bows to Jesus. None of it's right but Jesus. Well, that's exclusive. Well, that's his business. (laughs) I don't make the rules. Verse 20. And through him, he says, verse 19, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to him Self, all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Amen. There was a huge bow of judgment that was pointed at each and every last one of us. For the wages of sin is what? Death. We weren't friends of God. We were enemies of God. And if you haven't accepted Jesus, I hate to tell you, but right now, you're an enemy of God. I'll take being an enemy of Brother Bob. If, if I move fast enough, I might be able to take Brother Bob. But Brother Bob packed, so I might not try that on Brother Bob. But at, at the end, at the end, Brother Bob is security. But at the end of the day, I wouldn't try that on what? God. Everything in the earth and in the heaven, he made peace. For the wrath of God. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And that the wrath of God was quenched by the blood of Jesus Christ. The wrath of God didn't go away. That wrath had to be given. God had to pour out his wrath. For the wages of sin is death. And Isaiah said that it pleased God to crush him. Not that he wanted to kill his son. That's not it. It's that his wrath was satisfied in the death of Jesus Christ, that his body was broken, not just for you, but it was broken for me. That's why we come to God through salvation and we're grateful because he died the death that I could not die because he walked the life that I could not live. And he paid the debt that I could not pay. And he gave off of everything that I, that I couldn't pay. Thanks be unto God who has given us the victory that Jesus Christ had paid the debt of sin by his blood on the cross. He made peace with God. He made peace 
with somebody that I didn't have the power, nor the right, nor the authority to make peace with. You know how he can make peace with God? Because he is God. And only God can make peace with himself. Nobody else's blood was good enough to make peace. The only person whose blood could make peace with God was God himself. And God came down and became incarnate. And for unto us a child is born. And unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God, the blood of God himself, made peace with himself. Prove it. I'll prove it to you real good because when you had covenants in the Old Testament, they would come back and they would spread apart different parts of animals. If I had a covenant with Brother Dave or or with Lathe or somebody, we would split apart an animal and we would walk between the animal holding hands and we would make an oath and swear by whatever God we had back in that day or whatever those things are declared oath that by that God we swear by it that if we don't hold our word what was done to that animal will be done to us in other words if I don't hold my word I rip I'll be ripped apart but you see in the book of Genesis that I, that Abraham has a vision of a pot and God is moving by himself why because he couldn't swear by anybody else but by himself. He couldn't depend on anybody else but by himself because he's God all by himself. We need to know the power of God. I love this scripture that it's a funny scripture to me in the book of Psalms. God said if I was hungry I wouldn't tell you because the earth is mine and everything in it. It's time for us to start bowing before the holiness of God again. To reverence the holiness of God again. To have respect for God again and for the power of Jesus When you respect God, there's certain things you won't do. Even coming in this house. Now, I'm not telling you not to wear a hat in church. That's not what I'm telling you. I might wear a hat in church. But I remember my my spiritual father at the time, he respected God so much. It was a cultural thing that he wouldn't even walk into church with his hat on. Because in his heart, he was showing reverence for God. Now, you don't have to not wear your hat in church. You can wear your hat. But the part wasn't wasn't where his hat was seated, it was where his heart was postured. He was doing it out of honor. When we give, why do we give? Do we give out of reverence and honor for God? Out of thanks? If you realize that you didn't deserve none, and he he gave you a hundred, and he going to let you keep ninety of what you don't deserve? Tithing wouldn't be hard when you realize you don't deserve any. And he gave you all. And he's going to let you keep 90. And ask you if you would put an offering on that. Who wouldn't take that back? Why? Because we realize that everything that I have belongs to him anyway. See, it's hard to get rid of something you think that's yours. That's why the Bible talks about stewardship and not ownership. See, when you own something, it's yours and you think you control it. When you steward it, you're simply managing what's there. And it's easier, uh, and everybody knows, it's easier to to give away other people's stuff. Why is it so easy for you to give? Because it's not mine, it's God. If I give it to him, he'll give it back to me. Why? Because he's made peace, and that's the least I can. He made peace for me with God. Once, verse, verse, verse 21. Let's read this together. 
Hallelujah. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Oh, Jesus. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and without accusation. I'm about to run off the stage, but I can. I'm on the camera. Let's keep reading. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Wow. Can you understand what he said? You were an enemy of God. You were born an enemy of God. And because of what was going on on the inside of you, you deserve death, hell, and the grave. But he says he's reconciled you by Christ. He's saying, how dare you try to put the angels above Christ? It's only by Christ's reason, uh, Christ's blood, that you can come to God. And not only can you come to God, but it says through death to present you in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Wow. That means nobody can hold an accusation against you if you belong to Jesus. Because in Christ's eyes, you are free from blemish. The psalmist said, though my sins be as scarlet. Yes, amen. Thou will make them white as snow. Jesus. I finished up this last little bit. We might be in Acts next week. We're going to be following the Spirit all the way out through, through the year. And I, I felt this in, in my spirit, and I've been thinking about this for a while. And I prayed, and this is what we do. Verse 24, we're going to read this, and we're going to close out these last verses. Let's read. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regarding to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present you the word of God in its fullness. Oh, Jesus. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but now is disclosed, is now disclosed to the Lord's people. Mm. To them God has chosen to make among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. One more verse. Ooh, ooh. He is done. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Him we preach. The scripture says. We preach him. We proclaim him. Jesus. Wow, that's amazing. It was his choice to make known to you the mystery. See, Christ knew before he came that he was coming. For the Bible says that they could find no one. He said, send me, I'll go. It also says, behold, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. 
before ever before Adam ever messed up and before he ever knew Eve, God had died for you. Before they met Satan in the garden and ate of the forbidden fruit, God was already slated to die for you. Before they ever put on a leaf to cover their nakedness, before they ever hid to cover their nakedness, before God ever had to go looking for them, he had already set up and appointed for them to die for you. Why am I letting you know that? Because even before they had messed up, God had made them an escape plan already. And Romans says it this way, that that's how he demonstrated his love. He said he demonstrated his love that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. He started, he began with the end in mind. He started with an escape plan for us. He already knew we needed. And he already made a way. Which means that he not only knew what you did, he knew what you are going to do. And you're going to sin again before you leave this earth. If you just say, you know, I'm not, you just did. You lied. <laughs> and guess what? He died for it. All sins, past, present, and future. That if you rest on the holiness and the supremacy of Christ and his blood on the cross, huh, he'll make all things new. Whoever is under the sound of my voice or whoever hears this podcast, we have friends that put it out, and there are people that listen in places that we do not know. I have some people inform me of some places that they're sending it, and I say, glory to God for that. But wherever it's going, if you hear me under the sound of my voice, I will tell you this. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that if you don't know him right now, you can bow yourself before the mighty hand of God Throw yourself at his mercy. He's waiting to save you. If you got a situation, there's a song where I grew up that says this. It says, have you any rivers that seem uncrossable? Have you any mountains that you just can't climb? God specializes and things impossible. And he can do what no other power can do. If you have a prayer request or a need today, will you slip your hand to heaven, whatever it is, or if you have somebody and you're standing in the gap for somebody. We just want to take a second and acknowledge God through prayer. Lord, I thank you for your love and I thank you for your sovereignty. Lord, and I thank you that you've given us the privilege of prayer that we can pray and what's, that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, I pray, Lord God, right now that your will be done in the earth. There's many people that need you, Lord, and I'm praying for those who don't know you in the pardon of their sins right now. God, that you will begin, Lord God, to send out emissaries to save the lost, Lord God, that you will save people in Royal Oak. Use us here as your vessel, Lord God, to help save people in Royal Oak or lead them to you so that you can save them. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, help us to get the message of Christ all across the world, Lord God, to do our part, God, to help do what you have called us to do, not for our glory, but for your glory, because we were made for you and through you. We pray this, and I pray freedom to the captive in Jesus' name, healing to the hurting.
Life to the brokenhearted. Strength to the tired. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in Jesus' name.